news. Let's talk some NBA with a gentleman who's a Syracuse grad. He's covering it for ESPN, hanging in Cali, waiting for the call to cover some real basketball again. Let's bring him in. Nick Friedel, ladies and gentlemen, on the block ESPN radio. How are you, sir? My man, always good to be with you. I'm hanging in out here. Yeah, so what's uh, what's life like in Cali here in New York? We seem to have somewhat got our act together, uh, still being vigilant, of course. But uh, I don't know. I've been reading some things in the news, Nick, that uh, <laughs> things are bouncing the other way out there in Cali. What's it like on the ground? The only thing that has changed in the four months uh, that uh, has, has been different since everything stopped, X, is that there is now, at least where I am, you can eat on a patio. In, in a restaurant, Very good. so Del Fresco, hey, as they call that, right? Del Fresco, that's right. Or so, yeah. so everything else is kind of frozen. They're trying to get every everybody in order. I, I will say, at least in San Francisco, there are uh, a lot of people who have been solid about wearing their masks all the time. But as far as what has changed, not much out here. So the NBA's uh, get ready to forge ahead here, go to Orlando, get inside the bubble, and uh, there's another state where coronavirus cases are skyrocketing at this point. So Adam Silver addressed that the other day. Still feels confident they have a plan to forge ahead here. So I'll start with that a simple question. Where are we with the NBA's plan in the Disney bubble? Full steam ahead. Uh, the NBA's going to try, X. Now, whether or not they can get... From now and then the start of the bubble in a few weeks, uh, not only when teams start getting there, but then a little later when the games start to the end of mid-October without any major flaws, we'll see. Nobody has that answer, and they're not sure how it's going to play out. But they are convinced, the league is, that they are providing as safe an environment as they can. And they feel like once teams get there, if they can get there relatively healthy, they can keep them pretty healthy. At least that's the hope. Uh, so uh, like everything else in the world these days, you never know for sure. But as far as the league is concerned, they're confident that they can get this thing up and running, and we'll see where it goes from there. So teams uh, start reporting to their own facilities first, right? And then there's a protocol there before they go to Orlando. How, do, how does that work, and what's the timing of that? Exactly. Teams are going to their own facilities, aside from the Raptors, who are in Naples. Uh, They went early because of uh, what's going on uh, in Toronto. But uh, the the protocol right now is you go to your team's facilities, you're getting tested, uh, you're you're being checked out by doctors, you're, you're being checked to make sure that you are going to be okay once you get into the bubble. And so in a week or two, uh, they head down, all these teams will, to Orlando. They start prepping uh, to play games again, I believe, on the 30th. Uh, they are the first couple games. And, and, you know, as far as when you talk to not only players, coaches, there's just a level of uncertainty with all this. There's a hopeful, optimistic side of, of everyone saying, hey, this is what we need to do not only for the platform of what's going on with social justice and the issues all across the country, but actually, let's get real, there's $1.2 billion on the line. That's what this is about. 
$1.2 billion. It's the economic health of the NBA now and into the future. So uh, that is why the league is, is pushing this so strongly, and I think that's why we saw Adam Silver the other day say we can't outrun the virus. We just have to do the best we can given the circumstances. Who are some of the bigger names that have already stated, or for whatever reasons could not be related to COVID-19, are not going to be in the bubble? Uh, the big one is Avery Bradley. Uh, he is on the Lakers. He is a really solid defender. He's made some big shots and big games before. He was just a solid, solid piece for that team. Uh, he has opted out. Uh, yeah, Trevor Reza, the vet uh, who's been in, in Portland most recently, he has opted out. Uh, and then... In the last couple of days, DeAndre Jordan, who's been in the league a while, he's in Brooklyn now, and he's opted out. Spencer Dinwiddie may or may not play. He just tested positive. So those are the more known names. But, actually, this has always kind of been my fear with this whole process. Uh, it's kind of almost a musical chairs at this point who may or may not test positive, who may decide for family uh, reasons or or other reasons that they just don't want to go into the bubble. The, the 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 key question to me is what happens if and when a major star tests positive in the bubble? Do the optics for the league get to a point where people are going, well, what are they doing down there? You know, this just this may not be the best idea. So there are so many different levels and layers to this. But uh, as far as the, the league is concerned. There is an open acknowledgement that guys will test positive. They'll handle it the best they can. But it's one thing for regular players on on average teams to test positive X. And it's another thing if a LeBron or Giannis or Kawhi, any major, major star on one of these teams that people will think they're going to win a, uh, potentially a title on. I think that changes the narrative and will change the conversation on a national level. Our buddy Nick Friedel from ESPN joining us here talking some NBA as they get ready to head into the Orlando bubble. So there's a lot of unknowns with the protocols. The basketball angle of this is fascinating to me, Nick, because they're in a a structured setting in the same place. You think of some of those great environments these teams go into on the road, some of those home crowds, the the, the X factors, if you will, that go into your success in the postseason. Well, that's not going to be the case with no fans, of course, but has has the conversation changed about the team's favor to win this thing just based on life as it sits now, or is it still, you know, the Bucks and the Lakers and the Clippers and the teams we thought before all this? It's still those three acts, but more so than ever, when you talk to different people, they'll tell you, hey, this thing is wide, wide open. I thought Steve Clifford, uh, who's now the coach of the Orlando Magic, but has been in the league for years and years, he just made a great point. I was on a Zoom call a little bit ago. He said, I'm not viewing this as a resumption of the 2019-2020 season. I'm viewing this as its own standalone experiment. And I think a lot of people in the league are going to echo those sentiments because when you play every day and you have gotten prepared and you've gone through a training camp and you're playing at a certain level, there's a consistency to that. When you take X four months off and then you try to 
to rev it up again, start fresh. And like in the Lakers case, they're not going to have Bradley. Guys are testing positive. There's so much uncertainty around what's going on. It's just totally different. So I think that is going to catch more steam as far as a story that we see, that guys are going to say, hey, uh, you know, it's going to be really, really tough, especially from a a mental standpoint, to stay in this thing and stay focused for three-plus months. But in the end, as we look back, there's so much talk, will there be an asterisk? Will there not be an asterisk? I think what we're going to see is teams will have an immense amount of respect for any team that wins this title, but this title I don't think over time it's going to stick with the first part of this season, certainly as much as it would have in years past. And just my casual observation of this and and people speculating, looking ahead to it, there's a team that has really jumped out from a lot of different perspectives, Nick, that I want to ask you about that seems to relate to they they think this setting could help them, and that's the Houston Rockets. What is it about them that makes you say, boy, they can take advantage of this and make a run? Small ball, small ball, guys racing up and down the floor. Actually, there are only so many teams that can play that style. Uh, I was just talking to a friend of mine last night, and he was saying, hey, I don't think that's the best matchup for the Lakers, potentially, in the second round, uh, if the Lakers get there and the Rockets get there, because Houston is going to play very small, and they're going to run up and down the floor. And when you have... An older team, certainly with LeBron and Anthony Davis is in his prime, but when you have older pieces, day after day in a series, are they going to want to race up and down? And a team like Houston is really, they're kind of the perfect example for so many people across the league, X, because they have nothing to lose. They're, they don't have to go on the road. This is this is a neutral uh, playing field. This is This is even. Uh, so uh, I think they are a team to watch for sure. In, uh, in the East, everybody talked about Philly before the season. They were so uh, underwhelming. They underperformed pretty much all year. When you have this restart button four months later and you can catch a rhythm and get hot, maybe they do become the team that, that people always wanted them to be because they certainly have the talent with Embiid and Simmons. So, We'll see. There's so many different unknowns. But Houston is that team, at least across the league, that so many people have paid as, hey, if anyone can get hot and do it and play a different style, it's them. Nick, it's always great to hear your voice, get your perspective on this. Uh, We'll be following closely as we get closer to the the bubble uh, commencing in Orlando, and I know you'll be all over it and writing about it for ESPN and on Twitter and all the other great formats. So thanks so much for your time and your insight. We'll definitely uh, catch up again soon, my friend. You got it, my man. Talk to you. So all is well so far. So far, so good for Bayheim's Army. But just to see what these guys are going through, they kind of showed us the procedure. Really cool video that TBT put out. It's right on their uh, Twitter feed if you want to watch it. The testing, the thermometer checks, the scanners they go through to get into the hotel, the testing, which is a saliva test, the procedures, the they kind of showed you the, the way that these guys are registering. They're wearing masks, they're wearing gloves, and now they basically live in this hotel. They've got a quarantine once they get there for 48 hours. They're going to take, by the time they hit the court, by the time 
Demetrius Nichols and Eric Devendorf and Andrew White and Tyler Lydon and, and, the, and the crew hits the court a week from today, they will have taken six tests, which all have to come back negative. There is a glut of sports coming our way here in July, but TBT was one of the first to get on board to line up here because they're scheduled to start on the 4th of July. And as we mentioned, baseball will be in camps and the NBA is later this month and hockey is later this month. We have NASCAR, we have golf, we have a number of sports that if they're not back, they will be this month. It just feels crazy that July is going to be one of the busiest sports months when it's usually one of the slowest. TBT has been on this in the past few years Aside from the weird world we're in, they recognized a part of the calendar that was empty. It's usually a little later in the summer, but they got in early here given the opportunity to do so and figured out they could do it and giddy up, let's go. But TBT, when it started a few years ago and and the concept of it, these guys getting together and playing for what was then a million dollars, went up to two million. It's only a million this year uh, given financial circumstances. But when we first heard about this five, well, five years ago, six years ago, it sounded like a scam, right? You could clearly see it was this crazy idea. Let's put some basketball in the summer. Let's get some former players together. What's the hook? What's the angle? What gets me to watch this? Well, the angle was the money. And the angle was it's kind of this built fantasy team of former players, depending on how creative you could get, how well it could be done. And from the word go, Kevin Belby, Bayheim's Army, who's the GM, knew the passion that was there, knew the market he could tap into, and the key to this has always been the time of the year. Now, it's a bummer that it's not going to happen here. It was scheduled to be at OCC again, and what Bayheim's Army has become the past few years is essentially, you, you see these conventions that happen throughout the year. Comic-Con is a famous one, and there's there's a Star Wars convention, which I may or may not have been to. I actually haven't, by the way. I'd like to. Trust me. But what Bayheim's Army became, and is, but has to take a break from this year, is a convention, a Syracuse basketball convention, a chance for Syracuse basketball fans to converge And it just grew and grew and grew. And last year, unfortunately, they could not take advantage of the home court advantage they lost. But it just goes to show you how competitive the tournament is, how good the players are. This year, I you're looking at all the sports out there, like as we're about to get into later this hour, minor league baseball cannot play this year. This established sport that has been around for decades, certainly fed by Major League Baseball. The structure of it is what it is, but we're in a world where Minor League Baseball, the thing that you can count on the most in the summer, as far back as I can remember and as far back as people older than I can remember, they can't give it a go, but this new thing that came along four years ago has almost become more of a summer staple than Minor League Baseball. It's amazing how quick the world flips and changes and even through COVID, finding a way to get it done. And all these other sports finding a way, at least to give it a go and try to get it done. So Bayheim's Army, they have passed uh, their first round of tests and will continue to test and practice and quarantine and 
life in the bubble. And, you know, I was discussing this before the top of the hour about the NBA players and the bubble that they're in, in Disney and being away for a few months. It's certainly not as long a period of time. But think about, like, our buddy Demetrius Nichols, who we talk to a lot and we'll certainly be talking to through this process. He's got a family here. Eric Devendorf, he's got a family here. Just these are guys that certainly have made a living in basketball and can afford to do this. Some have made a healthy living in professional basketball. And yeah, they're not names you've seen and heard in the NBA or even the G League. Some are, as, as we'll get into here shortly. But to be away from your family for a few weeks now, not exactly ideal. For any line of work, let alone basketball. I mean, in the NBA is one thing because there's a 1.2 billion on the line, and they just, you know, that's what they do. That's and that's the circumstances they put in. When it really comes down to it, these guys didn't have to do TBT this year. They could have laid low. They could have said circumstances are what they are. It's difficult to find a venue. It's difficult to find a way to do this. Our players are scattered all over the place and have families and lives. And just is it really worth it to? break away from that for about a month and and give this a go. And the overwhelming response to that for the players was, yes, they all have different motivations for playing. The $1 million prize certainly helps. But this has become enough of an established event, something that people look forward to. There's a business aspect to it. ESPN loves the programming, loves the live basketball they're going to get. There is a real hunger for live sports from fans that they're going to deliver coming up here. So, Those questions sort of answered themselves as they went here, but this is, at the end of it, true dedication and passion for the game, competitiveness, and this team trying to get over the hump. This team, now specifically Bayheim's Army, trying to match, I feel like every summer for the past few summers, I've said this is the best roster they've had. And I'm going to say that again. Because you evolve, you change, you factor in the Elam ending, you look at how these things have gone, you look at the close games that they've played, the kind of the mix and the balance of the roster you have to have. And we've talked to Kevin Belby about this. We've talked to Demetrius Nichols and Eric Devendorf and a bunch of people about this. But what it takes to be successful, we look at these rosters and tend to be wowed by the sheer collection of talent that's there, but as we found, one big advantage that's been there are teams that, for whatever reasons, have been practicing and playing together. Bayheim's Army has never had that advantage. Bayheim's Army has always kind of collected here in the summer, had a few weeks of practice, worked out with the current Syracuse basketball team, and just kind of tried to bear it down to a strategy that would work for them. But when you're playing teams like Overseas Elite and you're playing teams that have more time together on the court, well, that matters. Well, guess what? We now live in a world where no one has been able to be together. No one has been playing at the rate prior to TBT that some of these teams that had the built-in advantage did and had. Everybody's in the same boat now. They're all kind of getting together and trying to make it work. Yeah, you can do Zoom calls and strategize and try and figure out ways to do it, but 
the big disadvantage that Bayheim's Army just has not been able to get over the past few seasons is it's not chemistry because there's chemistry there. There is a appreciation, there is a brotherhood of family of being Syracuse basketball players. It's just rhythm. It's just being together and adjusting to each other's game, knowing what your role is, being willing to sacrifice, finding kind of who's you've got experienced players in this like Devendorf, who just kind of takes over games, but it's putting ego aside for the betterment of the team. That's hard to figure out on the court in like a month. Well, everybody's on in that same boat this year. So here you have Devendorf, Brandon Trish, John Gillen, Demetrius Nichols, Malachi Richardson, Tyler Lydon, Dante Green, Chris McCullough. They add another player by uh, the time things get going next week. But just look at the balance of that team. You've got playmakers in Devendorf, Trish, and Gillen. Great backcourt there. You've certainly got shooters on this team. Nichols, Richardson, Dante Green can stick it. You've got athletic forwards, certainly in McCullough, Lydon, the stretch four. You don't have like that dom. You don't see a lot. You're going to see certainly on some teams, but what you don't necessarily need is kind of that big established center. Some teams have them, some don't, but the focus is on this kind of team, balancing playmakers, once the Elam ending comes in, free throws matter, as we know, in the Elam ending, but the unique thing that that brings. and Syracuse, in this thing, Bayheim's Army, has always had the question of the zone and how much of an advantage is the zone. These guys know the zone. That's one thing that it's like riding a bike. You get together. They know the elements of it. They can work on it. But it certainly hasn't proven to be an advantage in this particular tournament. At times, maybe, but... You can see why they want to go with their identity. That's what they are ingrained to do when they put on that orange uniform. That's that's kind of what you are and who you represent. But to this point, in this format, it hasn't really presented an advantage. So they are in Columbus. They have passed the first of many tests, and we shall see where we go from here. But I feel like I'm repeating myself a bit. And I am repeating myself to say I think this is the best collective roster they've had. I think it's the smartest roster that Kevin Belby has put together. But the one disadvantage that was always kind of lingering there for Beheim's Army, that's off the table. Everybody's in the same boat this year. Putting a roster together, limited practice time, and let's see how this goes. So they got a first-round bye. They won't play until a week from today, Tuesday, July 7th. But they're there and getting things underway and that annual summer tradition, it seems, right? We're going to get into uh, minor league baseball not being able to play in the next segment. You can't get more traditional than minor league baseball. They can't play this summer. But what's become rapidly something that people anticipate in the summer has become a sport that has associated itself with the summer. TBT and Bayheim's Army getting ready to ramp up. We're excited about it. And We'll have to have some fun with that. I'm not really sure what we're going to do because that game's going to be on while we're on next week, but we'll figure it out. We'll have a little watch party. We'll watch the game. We'll have some fun. 